Welcome back, podcast patrons, to yet another episode of Leave the Pin In interview series. We have an awesome guest tonight. We have Joe Greiner with us, the caddy for Max Homa. Now, for those uninitiated golf fans out there, Max Homa just won the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, Won it at Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina, by three strokes over the following individuals, Joe Damon, Justin Rose, Paul Casey, Jason Duffner, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Rory McIlroy, etc., etc., etc. This man blitzed the field with the help of our good buddy Joel Griner, who tonight is going to kind of tell us the ins and outs of caddying on the PGA Tour, what it was like to secure that win with Max. That was Max's first. And the real interesting thing is Max has been talking all week about how he's been leaning on Joe or how he did lean on Joe during the championship to kind of guide him and steer him towards the win. So can't wait to sit down with Joe and and kind of find out exactly what he told him, how he kept him calm, how he dealt with all those rain delays down in North Carolina. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another phenomenal interview with uh, a great golf figure in Joe Griner, caddy for Max Homa. Absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. All right, people, as promised, uh, we're here with Joe Griner, Max Homa's caddy. Joe, how's everything going? Good, man. Really good. I'm just home in California. Uh, got the week off, just hanging with the family. Um, might play a little bit of golf, but it's been pretty nice. Um, got a lot of support, and I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, all good, man. So we'll we'll get to the win in a second, which was enormous. Um, but was this a planned week off, or did you guys kind of, you know, throw caution to the wind after the win yeah you know um we're definitely playing on playing um this week um well basically the category that max was in the entire year we're not in every event so he needs to play as much as he could and because with the win now he's going to get into colonial and memorial those are two big events and obviously we got the pga so he had to take a week off just to relax and then play three in a row big ones and try to push up the FedEx Cup because he wants to make that tour championship. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's there's big, big money in that. So with with the PGA, were you guys in before or did this get you in? No, yeah, this got us in. I mean, we've, um, we definitely we needed to win, I believe. I don't even think finishing second would have got us in. So, But we weren't even thinking about the PGA. We, honestly, we, he did a really good job of just focusing on playing golf, and then whatever happens, happens. And basically the best thing happened for him, and he won the golf tournament. Very cool. So the PGA obviously being at Beth Page Black. Um, Scott and I, my co-host, and I grew up there. So we kind of know that course intimately well. I mean, from going sleigh riding there, as kids to you know playing it as teenagers and stuff like that have you ever been out that way before yeah uh i caddied um for kevin chapel there was a playoff event there so we played there um been out there and i mean it's a great golf course it's a bombers golf course um ball strikers golf course so should set up well for max and just excited to you know i think he's excited to play his first major as a pro and i'm excited to 
um, be there for him. And that was the Barclays you were talking about with Kevin, correct? Yes. Yep. Um, yes, sir. So out of curiosity, because um, we have some friends that caddy on the web tour, um, I, I did a little bit for a buddy that tried out, tried to Monday qualify for, you know, when it was the nationwide tour. Um, do, do you have that greens book still? Do you have your notes or is it completely irrelevant when it comes to the setup of a major? <clears throat> no, I mean, I'm for sure going to bring my yardage book. I, upstairs I have about, I, I should count them. I wish I organized them. Actually, it'd be way easier to find them, but I probably have you know, 200 yardage books. So I'll go find the Beth page one. Um, greens books, not as much. Um, I don't use the greens books on the green. Um, I'm more of a feel caddy when I'm reading putts. Um, you know, not everyone reads putts the same, but I use the greens books only for second shots into like our fours or fives to find out where the uphill putt is or, you know, the fast putt is just to put him in the right position to make a good score basically. Okay, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, that's super interesting because I look at some of those caddy books and I see 85 numbers on a small green with different varying arrows. And and part of me thinks, like, how in the recommended amount of time that a tour player should be playing a putt, like, how are they looking at that and processing that and, and, and understanding how that influences the putt? I'm in your category where I feel it, you know, I like to look at it, but I like to feel it with my feet as well. I mean, it, yeah, is yeah. it is it helping? Are guys really using those numbers to a T, or is it like smoke and mirrors at times? You know, uh, everyone is different. I don't, you know, I'm sure there are guys that, you know, every single putt, they look at the greens book, um, you know, it gives the percentage of the slope, and then with how fast the greens are, you can figure out how much it's going to break. But, um, you know, I think a lot of guys are just checking, all right, does this go right the entire way, or is there an arrow that pushes it left a little bit? Um, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm a feel player, caddy. You know, I like reading it with my eyes, and same with Max. We don't even use the greens books, so, you know, it's hard to speak for everybody, but um, they're pretty, they're, they're very precise and they're very helpful, but for me, if anything, it would just confuse me. Like, just read it with your eyes. Be an athlete, react. See, see what you see and go with it. Oh, my God. I absolutely love that. Just be an athlete and, and feel it. I tell people all the time when I'm doing golf lessons you know, to make it athletic. And so many people want to get stuck in their own head in positions. And, you know, and am, I, am I hitting this spot at the top of my backswing? And I think people would be so much more successful if they just make it athletic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just it's whatever type of player and person you are, you know. I'm not I'm not too methodical in every anything I do, you know. And when I play golf, I play golf a lot. Um, and when I caddy, you know, I do everything off my feel. So what I see, I go with and you know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong, but you know, I'm I feel like I I commit to what I'm doing much easier when I just react and do it. Yeah, no doubt. I I understand that completely. So you, you mentioned that you play a lot, um, and I know that you're a very, very good player. Can you kind of take us through, I guess, your playing history with the game, how you got started, um, how you went you know, to play in high school and mini tours and, and, and stuff like that, kind of your journey as a pro golfer? 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, I grew up in Valencia, California, same place as Max. Um, we had a par three course. It was nine holes. Um, and then we had an executive course, which was par 61. Um, and we grew up together. You know, I fell in love the game when I was about 10. Um, my mom dropped me off one summer and I just never left. I mean, I think one time I played the par three course nine times in one day. Um, so that's like 81 holes. Um, and you know, it was the greatest summer of my life, really. I, that's when I fell in love with the game and then, um, went on to play in high school. Um, I was always pretty good, really competitive. And, um, then I went on, played two years, um, in my hometown at a junior college, we had a really good golf program. We actually won the state championship um, when I was there and then uh, decided, you know, college wasn't going to be for me. I was ready to turn pro. I was committed to playing and um, played two years on the Canadian tour. I mean, if you looked at my stats, they, you might not even find them because I didn't play very good. Um, probably had a couple good tournaments, but uh, yeah, I played two years out there. Um you know, I really liked it. It's such a good tour. It was such a good tour to start on. Um, makes you feel like a real pro and getting you ready for traveling and all that. Um, but, but by the end of it, really, man, I just struggled so bad. And, you know, I started letting golf define me and make me feel bad every bad score I shot. That's kind of the moment I knew, well, if I wasn't going to wake up and I wasn't motivated to practice, um, maybe I should try something different. So... Um, I actually started working as a golf professional, um, started giving just a couple lessons here and there. And um, then in 2013, Max asked me to caddy for him when he turned pro for one event in the fries.com. And he actually finished ninth. And from there on, I, I guess I, would, I became a caddy. So how did, how did you move from Max to Kevin Chapel, how did how did that occur? Because I know you, your boys with Kevin as well. Um, yeah. So kind of kind of I guess walk us through how that change occurred. Yeah. Well, so Kevin and I are good friends too. Um, I met Kevin when he was at UCLA, which is only about twenty five miles from my house, and he was on the college. He was on the UCLA team with uh, one of our best friends, Brady Christensen. And uh, they would come out to one of my home courses and practice, and we played a bunch of golf together. So I knew his game fairly well. And um, let's see, we like kept in touch. And Max, you know, played a year on the PGA Tour, lost his card, kind of figure out what he wanted to do. And you know, when you lose your PGA Tour card, the web.com doesn't start for another four or five months. And it starts out of the country, you know, and the money's just not very good. And, you know, it really, it, it was, it's really hard to make a living out there on the web.com tour. And, um, you know, unfortunately, Max had to go back and Kevin's um, caddy ended up getting a, a real job. And um, he asked me to work one event for him in, uh, at Riviera, which is one of the greatest events. And I was super pumped. Kind of gotten near the lead, finished like 25th, and he's like, uh, hey, man, you want to keep doing this? And I said, sure. So I worked for him for about two and a half years, and um, unfortunately, he got hurt at the end of last season. So Max got his PGA Tour card and just worked out perfect. I mean, in this job, you just you kind of got to get lucky, too. I mean, both those, both those situations, I was just lucky to be there and um, worked out for me. 
Yeah, no, that's that's very cool. And and again, it's one of those jobs where it, th- there's a very high turnover rate. You know, I mean, you could be the greatest caddy in the world, and the player just feels like they don't mesh with you. And then you got like a Lydia Ko situation on your hands, where every two months she's with somebody different. Yeah, exactly. That's just that's the business, and you know, I've been really lucky to work for two really good friends, and you know, it would be really hard for me to work for someone who I didn't really like because you know you're on a team together, you spend so much time together, um, you need stuff to talk about. Um, so. For me, you know, I've been very lucky to work for two really good friends and, you know, get along really well with both of them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I I like that you that you mentioned team, because I think that's one of the most probably underrated aspects of the player caddy relationship is, first off, you know, like Scott and I go to a ton of PJ Tour events. So we're around the masses a lot. And you always hear dudes, usually they're half-drunk guys, that'll be like, man, I could do that job. Like, I knew that putt was going to go that way. And, you know, I, most of the time we don't say anything. But you guys have such kind of an in-depth knowledge of, first off, each other, um, social, you know, socially, uh, but also kind of intelligently as well, I would, I would guess. I mean, you have to know what makes him tick and in turn – he knows what makes you tick, and so it forms this kind of creative dynamic between the the player and the caddy, which I think gets completely overlooked. Oh, definitely. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. There's so many examples I could give you where, you know, you just kind of got to know your player, um, what to say, when to say it. I'll give you a good example. On 17 on Sunday, the part three, uh, it was 224 and uh, I believe we had a three-shot lead at the time. Um, you know, pins in the back, water left, you know, bail out right. And the wind's blowing a little bit. Not not crazy, but you could, like, I knew where the wind was. The wind was, like, a little in from the left, which I kind of loved why um, it being in from the left because I made 18 down off the right, which is just the greatest way to finish that hole. So... Max hits his five iron and he's like talking about hitting on the right edge of the green and he hits it great. And it, you know, falls just right of the green and like into a perfect spot. And he's like walking off that tee and he's like, dude, I think that wind's off the left. I said, I know it's off the left, but I wasn't going to tell you it's off the left. Cause I mean, there's no reason to aim that ball left of the flag and let it, the wind hit it, you know, just hit it over there to the right and get up and down for par. So those are just like little things that, and especially in a situation with a three-shot lead where, you know, you don't need to tell him the wind's off the left. You just let him hit the five-iron right of the green and try to get up and down from par. Right. now, And he talked about, too, uh, last week how it wasn't until, was it 14 or, or 16 that, that he didn't want to look at the scoreboard until he was yeah. through? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, he did so many good things last week because with all the rain delays, I mean, it was just hard. It was hard to not look at the leaderboard in all the rain delays, but he actually, during all the rain delays, he never went on his phone and looked at the PGA Tour app. And, you know, I saw him look at the leaderboard on Saturday when we had a two-shot lead. And I, like, stared straight into his eyes and said, don't you don't you dare look at another leaderboard. Just keep, <laughs> just, just keep doing what you're doing. And he did such a good job. I think he looked at it on 14. Um, you know, I knew what was happening. I tried... 
it's another thing. I tried to look at the leaderboard without him seeing me look at it, so he didn't, you know, try to read what I was thinking or anything like that. So just another interesting dynamic of the caddy player relationship. Yeah, and that's and you know what's cool is 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 those are the behind the scenes stories that you don't get when watching the telecast. You know, you you never hear about those things that go behind the scenes. And there's so many cool stories like that. I mean, I'm sure you have a ton through the week. Um, hey, hey, walk me through how difficult and what a pain in the butt it was with all the rain delays last week. Yeah, you know, you kind of, you definitely get used to the rain delays because it just happens so much on the PJ Tour. I mean, you fight rain delays all the time. But when you're in a position like Saturday, Max played the first nine holes. You know, we're playing with Rory on his birthday. And, you know, most people don't even know who Max is. And he played just a perfect nine holes. I mean, he looked like a 20-year veteran just doing exactly what you need to do. And then we get a rain delay. And actually, we get two rain delays. And, you know, kind of took away all the momentum. And he still, he did a great job on the back nine of finishing, you know, how he did and putting himself in a position to win. But, yeah, the rain delays are tough, man. They just are, but everyone's got to do it. I mean, whoever has the best attitude usually will come out on top. So, Now, is Quail Hollow one of those courses that has a separate area for the caddies during rain delays as opposed to the players? or is it yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Quail Hollow, they, I mean, honestly, top top three best, best tournaments for caddies. I mean, they treat us so nice. We're right next to the clubhouse, so we can access, you know, the clubhouse – or we can walk to the range or the putty green. It's all right there. I mean, they, they do such a good job. They, you know, they have food for us during the rain delays. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about that tournament. Honestly, um, one of the best ones we get to be a part of. So I, I was going to ask you later on uh, towards the end. I've got like a you know a few questions and stuff, but but give me give me the other ones that you like caddying at because of the way that they treat the caddies. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. Um, Phoenix Open has made probably the biggest strides because it just seems like it gets better every year. And they ask you every year, too, like, hey, what can we do better, blah, blah, blah. It's always nice. The, the nice ones are when we're inside, like we're, when we're inside the clubhouse, because that way for re- weather delays or using the bathroom, it just makes it a little bit easier and you feel you know a little more comfortable. So Phoenix is a good one. Um, of course, I love Riviera. Um, I love that tournament. They, they, they do a hell of a job. And I think Sunday they have the in and out truck for us ready to go. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, and the BMW also, they do a hell of a job. There's a lot of tournaments that just do a great job and we really appreciate it. How far is the Riv from where you grew up? 25 miles. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was, it was pretty close. Gotcha. Yeah. It's right near, right near UCLA. Um, it just, uh, it's it's honestly one of the greatest courses we play all year. Just literally in the worst part of traffic, probably in LA, like Sunset Boulevard, five o'clock on a Friday, getting out of there, it's just brutal. So what what's the, what's the better what's the better tea time to have? Is it is it better to have the early late Thursday Friday tea time there? So you would rather go late early so that. On Friday, you finish up around 2 o'clock and you get to wherever you need to go because usually sunset doesn't get bad until around 3 o'clock. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's funny. That's funny. You know, those are yeah, just little things like people think about, caddies think about, you know, you have to deal with, so. Now, now at some of the tournaments, like if, if Max or Kevin was like, you know, uh, I don't know, let's say there's going to be like a two, I mean, two-hour rain delay or so. Like like today, I know the Pro-Am got canceled at Trinity Forest because, I mean, like Dallas is just underwater. Um, yeah. So if it's one of those things where they're like, hey, you know, we want my caddy to come into player dining, I mean, like you can get in, right? Uh, you know, I... Maybe one tournament since I've been caddying, I went into like player dining um, during a rain delay. Most of the time, the caddies stay in the caddy area. I mean, there are just so many people because whenever there's a rain delay, that means there's either there's anywhere between like thirty to let's call it eighty players that are in the clubhouse, and then you got players' families, wives, you know, stuff like that. So there's a lot of people in the clubhouse. So we kind of need our own area. Um, I'm sure you could if a player really needed you in there, but, you know, during a delay or anything like that, they don't need you. Yeah, I guess with technology nowadays, it's easy enough to get in touch. Definitely. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, I guess it's, I guess it's much more strict on the PGA Tour than it is on like the web or the the LPGA. Um, And so, because I only say that because I did, I was down at the Savannah Championship um, yeah. last month, I guess, doing some, some media for the podcast and hanging out with my buddies that, that caddy there. And, uh, at one point, you know, my one buddy caddies for Steve Wheatcroft, who, you know, played on tour for a good eight years or so. Yeah, I and, know. Yeah, I know Wheatcroft. Okay. And, uh, he was like, yeah, dude, he's like, I'm in, I'm in, uh, you know, player dining. He's like, just come in. And I was like, uh, okay, like I literally have a pass that just says the word media on it. Like nothing else, dude. How am I going to get it? He's like, you know, just be you. Act like you own the place. I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, it's one of those things where they're like, uh, so you can't come. I'm like, yeah, I, I have to. I said, my, my player's in there waiting for me and he expects me. I said, if I'm late, that's my job. Okay. I said, you want to be responsible for me not having a job? And they're like, oh, no, no. Uh, and I just walked past. And they were like, oh, hey, you know, like, damn, we're over here. And I'm like, well, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little more lax there, but funny story last week, you know, Max, <clears throat> when you go in the clubhouse, you got to show your credential, even if you are, you know, a bigger name player, like there's a security guard that just like, hey, I need to see your credential, whatever. And Max, you know, before last week, not many people knew who he was. So he would always have his credential out, you know, ready to go. And after one of the delays, he's walking up and he's like fumbling to get his credential out and the guy's like hey dude i know you i know who you are like you're winning the golf tournament right now. i got you and max was finally like man that's kind of cool like finally like someone you know someone knows who i am yeah i've arrived <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty dope that's funny that's pretty funny um yeah. so so a- answer me this i mean i know i guess there's 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 two minds of thought on this on on what makes a good caddy um a lot of people will say, you know, you have to be like at least a decent player to kind of understand what's going through, you know, your, your guy's head or your girl's head at the time. And then, then there's others that are like, well, you know what? I don't even want my guy to be that deeply involved in golf. I just kind of want them there for like the emotional or social support. Um, you being obviously a phenomenal player, you feel that helps you as a caddy when you're dealing with your players because you can kind of get in the heads as, as to like, dude, I know this shot. I've hit this shot before as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I I feel like it's a big advantage, and you know, I still love to play a lot of golf, so I still have decent feel, which I think can help definitely. But it's really what the player likes. Like, there's players out there that you know don't ask for a lot of help; they ask where the wind in wind is, and that's about it. And then there's players that want a lot of help, and you know, if a player want, wants a lot of involvement, um, the better player you are, probably the more helpful you could be, and you know determining what shot is the right shot to play at the right time. Did that come into play at all with Max hitting driver off the deck the last two weeks? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I I love hitting driver off the deck. <laughs> like, and he'll tell you that too, but, um, you know, in certain situations, it just it feels like it's the right, it's the right shot. I mean, it's a shot that for sure is going to cut. It's a shot that, you know, if it's a little into the wind, it'll go through the wind a little bit. And, um, you know, I think we ha- we've we hit it maybe two or three times, and he hit it once in New Orleans on 18, and it was ball in hand. So he got to put the ball, you know, on a pretty good lie, and it was a little on the upslope. And we had 288 hole. Wind was like in 15 miles an hour, and he hit the shot right when it came off. I'm like, wow. I'm like, Where's that been? And it went dead straight, and it flew like 280 into the wind. And after that shot, I'm like, see, you can you can hit the shot off the deck. And we <laughs> hit it one time. I think we hit it one time at Coil Hollow, too. Um, yeah, we hit it one time at Coil Hollow. So, yeah, he's definitely – he's got that shot. Maybe I put that in his head a little more than he ever thought about it, but – that's a that's a nice confidence boost, though. I mean, if you you pull that shot off and you're you're dropping a few jaws there, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's honestly such a fun shot to hit. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where when you do hit driver off the deck, like you're doing it in a situation where if you do end up thinning it or hitting it low and you know running up up the fairway or whatever, it's like a mini layup. And then if you pull it off, it looks like the sickest shot ever. So it's kind of like a win win shot you know you're not hitting over water or like any any type of difficult shot but you hit in the right situation yeah no doubt um you you ever see anybody ever draw driver off the deck no i mean if you're on a little upslope i've seen guys maybe hit you know a little two yard draw but it's just one of those things where it would have to be the most perfect lie, and you know, you just catch it so money yeah. that somehow it draws. But for the most part, every guy who's hitting driver off the deck, they're playing like a little bleed cut. Yeah, because you you mentioned it always cuts, and I'm like, you know what? He's right. It always does cut. And I'm thinking, like, I've never in my life seen anybody. I don't think I've ever seen anyone hit a straight ball with driver yeah, off the deck. All, yeah, it always has a little leak. You know, someone to pay attention to is Mark Leishman. He hits driver off the deck. I've seen him do it before, and he is unbelievable at it. We saw him. We saw him do that at the playoff event last summer in uh, Jersey when he was playing with Tiger. We followed. Yeah, we that, followed that group around on a par five there. Yeah, does not surprise me. Oh, I know what par five he probably did it on. What hole is that? On the back nine. Yeah, uh, it's 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 that. Well, does it go? It goes down the hill. Yes. And yep. Second, second, second shot's kind of blind. Yeah, that's a perfect driver yep. off the deck. Right, because if you miss there 
it's like, I mean, all right, I miss, but it's still going to run out a ton. There's no trouble in front. Exactly. You know, and it's one of those where he probably had 290 to the front and it was just perfect, you know. Right. It's like you're not getting there with three wood. You kind of realize that, you know, and now that I think of it, I think the wind was kind of in as well. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me let me ask you this. So how how long has it been that you've been with Max? Well, so I, uh, I, gu- I guess this, the- this time around. Yeah. So I, I worked for him for two and a half years. And then um, I started with him in Sony, Hawaii, so January. Okay, so basically, the be- I mean, not the beginning of the wraparound season, but the beginning of the new year. Exactly. Which is what most golf fans will tell you is the beginning of the season anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so let me ask you this, like, obviously winning on tour is equal parts skill, uh, luck, it kind of being the right week. And, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, you know, at any given tour event, I don't know, would you agree that you would say 70% of the guys in the field could win that week, or is that too high? No, I, I'd say that's totally fair. I mean, anybody teeing it up at a PGA Tour event that has earned their PGA Tour card, I mean, they're all really good golfers, and if it's their week, um, it's their week. Now, there are certain situations, like last week, where – it's a really hard golf course, and you could probably weed out a couple, couple guys. You know, you got to really hit the ball nicely, and um, but yeah, but I'd say seventy percent is pretty fair for week to week. Okay, so with that being said, what did you see, or or what did you notice this week that that may have been different about Max or his game that that maybe wasn't there the prior weeks, or maybe things that didn't stand out beforehand that you were able to kind of notice this week yeah i mean for one he loves he loves the place so that's always good for you know a pro when they love the golf course right um for two he putted unbelievable where you know his strength of the game is you know his iron play he's one of the best iron players i've ever seen really um and then when he makes putts i mean the game kind of opens up for him and he feels like okay i could you know i could score really well and you know, him putting as well as he did last week just freed him up so much. And he actually didn't hit his irons as well as he normally does, but he putted so good that it, it didn't even matter. What about his mindset? I mean, he's, you know, obviously everyone knows him. I, every, okay, uh, let me backtrack. Everyone knows him now for, for that win. But beforehand, most kind of like golf nerds, as I like to affectionately call us, um, yeah. You know, they knew him through, like, his biting, sarcastic wit on Twitter and that he was kind of a, a laid-back, funny guy. And a lot of guys know him from, like, the No Laying Up podcast crew and all that stuff. Did, did you yeah. see anything different in his demeanor or kind of the way he approached his mindset this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, for one, when we played with Rory on Saturday, you know, I knew it was going to be, it was going to be a tough day for him just because, you know, big crowds, first time he's ever been around the lead at a PGA tour event. So I knew it was going to be really difficult for him on Saturday. And when he played as well as he did and, you know, still, you know, was around the lead or in the lead, I knew it was going to be a really good Sunday because he said, you know, on Saturday he was much more nervous than he was on Sunday. So that's always a good sign. Do those crowds affect you at all? No, not really. I mean, the 
the only time they would affect me is, you know, if they're affecting Max, if they're loud and I need to, you know, get them to be quiet or anything like that. But the fans are great. I mean, they're, they're awesome. They're just cheering for Rory because they know Rory. But now they, now that they know Max, you know, Max probably has a few more fans and next time we're on the first tee, I mean, I'm sure more people will be clapping and cheering for him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, do you get any shout-outs from the crowd? Are there people yelling Joe to you at all? No, not normally. I mean, we did actually have a couple. Uh, we, we know family out in Charlotte, and they watched every round, which was just awesome. I think they had as good a time as we did. So, um, I mean, I had, you know, Dave, the guy that I know, he was che- he was cheering my name, of course, and I heard him um, – and I even I apologized after I'm like you know I could hear you the whole time but I wasn't going to acknowledge you because I was just you know trying to stay focused. So yeah, you know people people comment nice beard or something like that, but that's about it. All right, well I, I want to I do want to get into the beard um, in a second because you know I, I I'm a I'm a bearded man myself, um, so I've got a few questions. But on Tuesday. And Sunday of this week, not this week, but next week of the PGA Championship, my buddy Scott, who does the podcast with me, is going to be there, um, as well as my my other buddy Dan, who owns Train on Main, who is one of our sponsors for the pod. And uh, so they're all about making sure that you notice them. Not in a moronic way, I hope, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, to, to show the caddy some love out there you know it's like it's like in a band you always hear show the drum you know give the drummer some love uh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah same thing here show the caddy some love a bit all right let's yeah. let's get into the beard how long have you been growing this yeah so when i started so before i was caddy for max i was working as a an assistant golf pro and you know you kind of have to shave every day and you know beards weren't super in at that time <laughs> and then I started caddy for max and you know, I told him, hey, uh, I'm going to keep this beard until the Dodgers win the World Series. So it's kind of been the running joke for, you know, almost five years now. And, you know, we got one game away. And the last two years have been pretty close. And to be honest with you, I got pretty nervous because, I mean, I want the Dodgers to win the World Series as bad as anything. But I was like, man, I'm going to look so weird without a beard. Like, no one's going to recognize me. Like, I'm not going to recognize myself. But yeah, that's kind of how it got going, and I don't plan on shaving it until the Dodgers win the World Series. Okay, I, and I can respect that. Um, now I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, so <laughs> you know, there's a little history uh, oh, yeah, there. My, my girlfriend is a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and we went to a playoff game a couple years ago, You know, and it was when Kershaw ended up blowing in the sixth inning, and you know, she was wearing a Cardinals jersey, and... You know, it was one of those times where I was like, I really, like, I, I don't want to talk to you right now. Like, it, was just, <laughs> it was one of those things. So, um, don't worry. I get plenty of St. Louis Cardinals um, cheering around me. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Fandom runs very deep. Yeah, it does. Um, so, so if, if the Dodgers win, let's say, uh, by some miraculous way this year, <laughs> uh, I mean, all, yeah. you know, and... and uh, and, and let me just, you know, I, I just met you, but let me throw a dig in in that the fact that the Cardinals swept them in a four-game series already earlier this year. I just, I want, I, yeah, I just want the fans to know that as of right now because, 
you know, come August or so, uh, you know, the Dodgers might have an eight-game lead in their division and the Cardinals might be fighting for third again. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and obviously that's something that, you know, you, you were born out there, so you were kind of born into that, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I just grew up going to Dodger games. It's just like one of those things where, you know, you're from there. That's a team that you first, like, fall in love with and, you know, you're proud to cheer for and, you know, it's all good. Now, is that Max's team, too? Yeah, I mean, that's all we talk about. We talk about sports, you know, Dodgers, Lakers. We don't really talk NFL teams. Like we, He's a Steelers fan, but uh, that's just because his family's from Pittsburgh. But um, Dodgers and Lakers is what we normally talk about, so. Now, was he, was he born in, in Pennsylvania or no? That actually is a good question, and I don't know the answer. He definitely grew up in Valencia, and I, I want to say he was still he was born in California, okay. too, but I'm not positive. I gotcha, I gotcha. I don't know if we had a, a, a PA connection on hand there. Yeah, no, he's got family there for sure, so um, he definitely has a connection there. Um, so, so did you ever play against him in, in junior golf or anything like that? Yeah, we used to have, you know, at our home course, we grew up in uh, such a cool place where it was really competitive, and there's a lot of really good players, and uh, we used to have plenty of junior golf tournaments, you know, on the par three course and the executive course, and we used to compete against each other all the time, (coughs) but like I said, I'm four years older, so like when I was playing like high school or, you know, junior golf tournaments, he was a little bit younger. So we never competed that way. Okay. Have you ever beaten him? Oh, yeah. And and I'm hoping that you never let him live that down. So the best story I could give you is on our part three course, <coughs> par is 27, and I, I probably played it more than anyone in the world. And I finally shot the course record, you know, five, six years ago, right around when he turned pro. And I shot 19. And then later on, we played one day, and we played for something. He was, like, maybe just out of college, and we played for five bucks or something. And I beat him, and I made him sign the bill, the whatever bill he gave me, um, to Mr. 19 or something. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So we still we still play. We played twice last week. <clears throat> we played on um, the Sunday before the tournament and Wednesday at Charlotte Country Club, and you know he gives me he gives me two aside, and usually it's really competitive, so um, it's still a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's that's a boss move making him sign the the five dollar bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when 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 my buddy Scott and I play, we play for three bucks. We play for a dollar for the front nine, dollar for the back, and a dollar overall. And if we ever win, we force the other person to take a picture or video of them, you know, handing the money over and counting out the money uh, towards each other. And that's only three bucks. Yeah, that, but that's the great thing about golf. It's like you play for just a tiny bit, whether it's $3 or 30 or 300 it feels good to win. Oh, no doubt. It always feels good to win, <laughs> especially if you're beating a, a PGA Tour pro. I'm beating Scott. There's a little bit of difference there. <laughs> no, man. It feels good to beat anybody. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, so, you, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned some of the courses that you've gotten to caddy on and, and play. Um, where's the coolest place that caddying has taken you as far as golf courses go? 
I mean, it obviously probably would be Augusta. Um, I've caddied there twice in the tournament, and, you know, it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, I really enjoy uh, the Open Championship. Last year was at Carnoustie, and it just, it's so fun over there. I mean, it just, it's so much different. You've got to be creative. Um, the weather's terrible. You've got to have a good attitude. It's so fun over there. Yeah, that's got to be incredible, just experiencing golf in in that setting, uh, f- you know, for the Open Championship. It's just insane. That's my favorite major, personally. I mean, I love Augusta. You know, I love the Masters, but there's just something that I've always loved since I was a little kid, getting up at 3, 4 in the morning and being able to watch golf. It's like Christmas to me. Yeah, and the fans are so awesome, dude. And, like, you know, you hit a shot to 20 feet, out there and they're so knowledgeable that they know when 20 feet is really good and they clap or they know when you hit a chip around a bunker to 12 feet that it was really good and they know like they appreciate it so much and it's it's so great i mean i love it yeah that's pretty dope that's pretty dope uh hey max talked about the peanut butter in your beard story on no laying up. So Scott, I asked Scott before I said, Hey, you know, we're going to, I'm going to talk to Joe tonight. And is there anything that you want me to ask? And he's, he said, dude, we need to get his side of the story for the peanut butter in his beard. And, and look, man, I can relate because like when I eat cereal or something, like I've always got to ask my kids or my wife, Hey, uh, you know, is there something in my beard or even at work? I'll ask someone like, Hey, am I clear? Am I good? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, Max's story was pretty, uh, pretty accurate. Um, we're on like the 14th tee on Saturday and we had another weight. So I ate a little PB and J and, uh, you know, it got a little messy. <clears throat> I tried cleaning up my beard and, um, I was, when we got done with the hole, I was like, Hey Max, do I have any peanut butter, you know, anywhere or anything on my face? And he's like, no, you're good. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I, you know, we finished around and I'm driving home and I'm like in my car and I'm like smelling peanut butter. I'm like, this is so weird. And then finally I just like grab like part of my mustache and like I'm, I mean, I feel a bunch of peanut butter. I'm like, oh, okay. So I had peanut butter in my beard the whole time, but my hair is so blonde and I guess it blended in perfectly. Did you ever think about trying to contact Justin Turner from the Dodgers and, uh, you know, maybe maybe get into a lookalike contest with him? <laughs> Man, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, the Dodgers are my favorite team, and Justin Turner hit three home runs last night in the game. Um, so I'm a pretty big fan of his, but I haven't thought about reaching out to him or anything. I'm sure uh, Max is actually um, – he's going to throw out the first pitch – at Dodger Stadium on Friday. Are you going to be there? So, so I'm going to be there. I'm going to drive, um, drive down there, and um, maybe we'll get on the field and see if Max can throw a strike. I know he's more nervous about this pitch than he was <laughs> playing with Jordan. <laughs> yeah, you got to get him to give you the hookup to get out there. Yeah, I told him, like, dude, tell him I'm going to catch for you. I mean, it just. I'll, I'll be the catcher you know you'll throw it anywhere I'm gonna catch it don't worry I'm your guy did uh was he able to get you tickets or you have to get like normal tickets <clears throat> yeah they gave him like uh four tickets but we have like a group text going you know that we have every week that we talk about sports and whatever 
and a bunch of the guys of the group text are going and my uh my family actually has season tickets so works out perfect i think there's gonna be like 10 of us there and i'm gonna use my parents season tickets so very cool so uh you know justin turner if by the off chance in la that you're listening to this you gotta give uh, our, our boy joe a special pass to get out there at least take a picture with you <laughs> yeah keep doing what you're doing if you're listening to this too because you know you're doing a pretty damn good job or don't when you're playing the Cardinals. <laughs> hey, how about um, I'll get you out of here with a few kind of uh, you know random miscellaneous questions? Because uh, again, man, I appreciate your time. I know it's been probably a extremely hectic week with the win and all. Uh, what about best friends on tour? Who are you close with out there? Um, you know, I'm close with a lot of the caddies. Um, got a lot of really good friends. Gary Woodland's caddy, Butchie's awesome. Uh, Brett Waldman, uh, who works for Charlie Hoffman. Um, I spent a lot of time with him, and I actually roomed with him last week, so it's always fun rooming with him. You know, um, There's so many like good guys and good golfers, so we get to play a lot of golf together, too. Um, you know, the caddies, it's a special thing, because it's kind of like a brotherhood. Everyone kind of cheers for everyone. You know, I got a lot of support for winning, you know, Joe Scov stuck around afterwards. There were a couple groups in front of us to just congratulate Max and I. And, you know, stuff like that just goes a long way. It feels, you know, really nice to have a lot of good friends out there. Yeah, and Joe, another Southern California guy too, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, you got any tattoos? No tattoos. Okay, all right. You uh, Have you noticed more players being open with uh with getting tattoos as of as of late like the last three four years you know i don't really know like i don't notice if guys have tattoos i'm sure plenty of guys do you know the only time you would see it is like if a guy's on a training table getting worked on but you know i'm i'm sure it's like changing quite a bit just because like see more beards out there and you know i'm sure there's guys with tattoos yeah, I just noticed the other day Rory Sabatini has one. So I don't know if yeah. that's – if, you know, he might be going through a midlife crisis nowadays with changing his nationality and getting <laughs> – Yeah, you, know, getting you never know. Max, Max has a tattoo though or he has a couple tattoos but he's got Relentless down his forearm um, which is, you know, kind of after a book he read and just, you know, kind of his mentality he's got – that's pretty dope. So I, wow, that's I, I. I wonder why I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I think I might have asked him a question about it, but yeah, it, it might be kind of hard to see when he's gripping the club. Okay, maybe um, so. Yeah, yeah, forearms turned inwards a bit. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's something I'm big into because I'm I'm heavily. Well, I wouldn't say heavily, but I. Some people might say heavily tattooed, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just something that I've I've always noticed. And uh, I know the PGA Tour doesn't have a specific rule against it, but I know about a decade ago they brought the players in and kind of were talking about keeping clean shaven and things like that. I think around when time started to change and like some players were starting to get beards here or there, like uh, Graham Dillette did one, did a beard for like the hockey playoffs. Oh yeah, his beard's miraculous. Yeah. It's amazing. And that was like the first one they were like, hey guys, you know, we have a clean cut image here on the tour. Let's 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 try to keep it that way, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know much about that. I mean, as caddies they don't they don't expect us to not have a beard or anything like that. So but I you know, I think as long as guys, 
you know, hold themselves to being as professional as they can on the course. You know, I feel like you could have a beard or a tattoo, whatever you want to do. Oh, yeah, hands down. I mean, as long as you respect the game and are just a good person, I mean, it's all good, you know? Yeah. What about uh, what about music? What are you listening to? That's a good question. Um, I'm, like, kind of, like, frustrated with my music right now because, you know, I was practicing earlier my putting and I was like, man, like I need some good new music. Cause I've been, uh, you know, I listen to anything. I listen to all types of music, country music, rap nineties, you know, basically almost anything, but I need like a new playlist or something. Cause I was kind of getting bored of my music today. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. Um, the pins and passports on Instagram and myself are going to be putting together a Spotify playlist for golf uh, next week. So maybe that's something to check out. Just kind of like, oh, e- like yeah. I don't want to say easy listening because you think of easy listening and you're like, oh, like smooth jazz. I'm like, no, not like that. Um, but, you know, just like like calm, chill music, like think kind of like uh, Jack Johnson, Brian Fallon. Yeah, I love that. Uh, like yeah, va- vampire, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just kind of chill music, like the same music you'd listen to if you were hanging around like a campfire with friends or hanging on a beach, like a bonfire with friends, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, one thing that I always thought would be so cool to do would be if somehow um, a golf course in maybe like the sprinkler system or something would have speakers by the greens. And, like, just be playing music the whole time. Like, you know, just kind of have some kind of cool vibe on every green where, you know, you can just listen to something and it's, you know, it just uh, it gives a different perspective or a different feel on a golf course. I think a private club would probably get away better with that. Um, oh, for sure. You know, sure. than a, a public. You, you listen to music a lot when, you, when you're out playing? Yeah, like, we always have a speaker going. I mean... We always have something going nowadays, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, I hear. I'm the same exact way whenever I'm out playing. Although sometimes, like if I'm if I'm grinding and working on something, I feel like I need complete concentration. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah no You know, doubt. but for the most part, yeah, always got music going. Um, so we know that that Dodgers are your you know number one team. Any other sports that you? like to play i mean aside from golf you do anything else Did you grow up playing any other, any other sports yeah i grew up playing baseball uh when i wasn't catting when i was like kind of <clears throat> working as an assistant golf pro we had a um a softball team on thursday nights and dude that was so much fun um just i mean i play with me my brother a couple golfers and um that's honestly as much fun as I could have. I love playing all sports, really. I think for Max's bachelor party, we talked about um, we're going to do some type of like Olympics. I mean, obviously there will be some drinking involved, but we want to do some like wiffle ball, volleyball, any type of sport. We could all like, you know, basically just talk smack to each other and compete against. I mean, that's basically what all, you know, all our friends like to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like... A fantastic idea. I I support that greatly. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, so I guess I'll get you out of here on this last question. Um, and and don't feel like because it's the name of the podcast, you have to say yes. We're usually split around here, but uh, you leave the pin in when you putt. <laughs> I don't. 
don't leave the pin in when I putt. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've only had two people I, say yes. <laughs> I, I can't, man. And like honestly, I think that like some part of me thinks that it might be easier to putt well, but like from five feet, there's no way. Like when you're a kid and you're putting like for money as a kid, you know. Everything you would do, you would putt your first putt, and then you would take the flag out, and you would make your second putt with the flag out. Like, everybody would take the flag out. Yeah. So it's like, you're, you're so used to it. It's so weird to putt with the pin in. Like, you know, Max only does it. I think we made, we finally made a putt with the pin in, but he only does it from like 40 feet. Okay, so look at that. He makes a putt with the pin in, and then he goes off and wins on the PGA Tour. <laughs> <laughs> So like yeah, we might be onto something here. No, I, I yeah. hear you. We uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a funny take off of off of Bryson and kind of his uh, you know <laughs> quote unquote mad scientist ways. Well, the weird thing is when you watch that on Faraday when he's doing the pin in thing, like it's clear that like he takes a way bigger backstroke when he takes the pin out. Like, I watched the video. I'm like, dude, you just made a way harder swing to prove that you're right. Now, I'm not saying he's wrong, but I'm just saying in that situation, he took a way harder swing to prove that he was right. Yeah. Um, I met a guy that I'm not going to say his name because he asked that I, I don't, but he played against Bryson in college. And they were playing, and Bryson had like a 70 foot putt on this hole for a birdie or something. And so they're in a threesome. And it's like the second round, and Bryson's been playing relatively slow, um, you know, the first two days. And it's like the 13th hole or so, they're on the back nine, and Bryson is stalking this 70-foot putt. And he's walking around the entire green twice, and all these kids are like waiting, and they're like, dude, come on, like, it's 70 feet, just try to two-putt and let's move out, right? And the one, kid, the one guy says to him, he goes, Bryson, like, come on, dude, there's no more angles to look at it from. And he goes, I'm just trying to find out when the velocity of the putt is going to die. So all these kids just roll their eyes at him, right? About three minutes later, after walking the green twice, the dude steps up and knocks in the 70-footer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Picks the ball up out of the hole and walks past them. And he goes, guys, that's why I do that. And I think if you were more into science, you might make some more putts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... The kid is really good. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, that's that's what the guy I met said. He's like, you know what, man? He's like, I just hate it because he's got the game to back it up, too. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, he's got the game and the work ethic, so he deserves he deserves that credit for sure. Yeah, that's the truth. All right, Joe, listen, man. I cannot thank you enough for the insight that you've given us and some of the stories that you've told us. Um, look, man, best of luck at the PGA, and I hope uh, my buddy Scott and Dan get to see you out there. Yeah, just tell them to yell at me and you know scream the podcast name, and I'll, I'll be sure to shake their <laughs> hand and see how they're doing. All right, bro, that sounds great. Have a great night. All right, man. Take All right, care. thanks.